Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Oh, that means I get to talk now. Hi! Good evening, race fans, and welcome to another two hours of Motorsports Talk here on the Performance Motorsports Network. It is Motorsports Madness. My name is Jacob Seelman, the managing editor at RacechaserOnline.com, where we give you your motorsports your way. And I am joined at the roundtable by a cast of thousands, or, well, three. Three does not a thousand make, but it's okay. Tom Baker, the commander-in-chief of this here operation, is sitting comfortably at said round table. Say hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. <laughs> How did I know that was coming? Oh, wait, you because I know known. you. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, Dr. Dirt. I'll knock it out. Yeah, Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens joins us via the Race Chaser Skype line, as does Cisco Scaramuza. And we're going to talk about the weekend, which was comprised of three races at Atlanta Motor Speedway which shockingly got done in two days. Why shockingly, Tom? Because, well, (laughs) it rained for a long time on Sunday, and we all sat there, and I don't think any of us were prepared to actually cover a race. And, well, we covered a race. Now, the buzzwords here, there are two of them. One of them is Kevin, and the other one is Harvick. Why? Because he led lots and lots and lots of laps, and he went home with two trophies. Two very nice trophies, I might add. Oh, yes, absolutely. They were very nice. Yeah. Atlanta does a good job with their trophies. They do. I was really impressed. This was the first time that I'd actually been able to get to Atlanta for a NASCAR weekend, and very impressed with the way they handled everything, really. I mean, uh, <laughs> the fact that we were able to get that race in is a tribute to the AMS staff as well as the NASCAR staff for just never giving up because that just should not have been possible. And not only do we get to the required distance to make the race official, we finished it before it rained. So Uh uh, super Uh job Uh by everybody and, and mad props to start the show for there even being a full distance cup race for Kevin Harvick to crush the field in yesterday. Yeah, he did kind of crush him just a little bit, Steve. If leading the most laps and winning on Saturday wasn't good enough, he came back, led the most laps, and won again on Sunday. However, Sunday was particularly emotional, and I'm coming to you on this because, well, you've been a part of the Earnhardt fan club as long as there's been an Earnhardt fan club. And to see Kevin, the successor to the Intimidator, finally, 17 years later, go back to victory lane at the track that gave him his very first win in start number three, it really doesn't get much better than that, especially when you consider he had led... the most laps in four straight and five out of the last six Atlanta races prior to Sunday and taking home zero trophies during that span. And I, and I think it's important that that's what he said uh, in his post-race was, you know, talking and actually not even the post-race, but the in-car after he took the checkered flag, you know, basically saying, look guys, we've, we've had a race winning car for five years now and we just have had one thing or another happen. 
and we couldn't necessarily close the deal, as ironic as that is, with his nickname being the closer. Um, but for the Earnhardt side of it, you know, to to give that salute, uh, put the three fingers out the window, I can tell you as a lifelong Earnhardt fan, that really pulls at the heartstrings because, you know, Kevin Harvick, I was actually, I'll be honest with you, I was surprised to see that just because there's so many reasons why, you know, Kevin Harvick would, getting his ride the way he did and wanting to, you know, not necessarily be in that shadow of Dale Earnhardt. This was one of uh, a few times that we've seen Harvick almost uh, embrace how he got into the sport and and really show that emotion and, and how much that meant. Um, that was just a, a little bit of a surprise to me, but I'll tell you a welcome surprise, Tom. That was something really special to, to see him pay tribute to Dale. It was, and I have to tell you that his post-race press conference was revealing, to say the least. We saw a different Kevin Harvick last night after the race was over with, and... He was asked the question of what today's Kevin Harvick would tell 25-year-old Kevin Harvick. And the answer that he gave, I don't want to try to accurately paraphrase it, but it really was, Cisco, a lot about maturity and not everything need is a show. Uh, all of that, I think it was definitely a a very... Like I said, very different Kevin Harvick, Cisco. I felt like this was a Kevin Harvick who is basically telling us, you know, I, I've hit that point in my career where I don't need to be the donkey anymore. I don't need to be the brash and sassy one. You know, I need to be kind of the fatherly steward Jacob of the, the the series and be the one that's going to basically or one of the ones who's going to basically shepherd the younger drivers it was just a very a very different sort of Kevin Harvick and and uh I think probably the fact that it took him 17 years to get to get back to victory lane in Atlanta was part of that but I just feel like he's come to a point in his life now, Jacob, where he's just ready to kind of change his role a little bit and mature into somebody who could be a, a leader for the series going forward. This is not a new thing. Kevin Harvick has matured and taken over that leadership role ever since he won the Cup Championship in 2014, the first year that he joined Stuart Haas Cisco. But I want to quote exactly what Kevin Harvick would have told 25-year-old Kevin Harvick. Quote, Sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut, and everything is not a show. Running fast is enough merit and enough show. I said and did a lot of dumb things. I guess you could call them building blocks, and now we can laugh about them. But it was entertaining at the time, and it got me a couple of vacations. Yeah. That, that to me, Cisco speaks at where Kevin Harvick is now compared to where he was then. I don't think it's just the team. I don't think it's just the cars, quite frankly. I think it's the little mop of blonde hair that we yeah. saw running around the media center Probably with a donut right. in his hand. After the uh, race, during the post-race press conference, I honestly believe that Keelan has been a large part of that as well. 
Yes, he has. And if you were like me and tuned in to see rain delay coverage, Harvick was actually on that rain delay coverage, and he alluded to all these points uh, during his interview with with uh, F- with uh, Fox, and mentioned that so a lot of this has also come from him coming from a production standpoint as well. Now that he has a show on Sirius XM, and now that he's been a part of all these production meetings with him filling in the booth yep. of Fox Sports, he mentioned that he sees the sport now not necessarily as where he is, but where the sport is as a whole, and being a part of that driver's council has also done the same as well. He's not so much worrying about what's Kevin Harvick going to do versus what's NASCAR going to do and what's the sport of stock car racing right now going to do. Yeah, I I saw some of that too, and uh, I also heard him say some of that in our uh, press conference afterward. You know, it's it like I said, it was just a very different Kevin Harvick. I've not always been the biggest respecter of Kevin Harvick in terms of the way that he's gone about certain things over his career, but you know, I have to tell you that was uh, I I thought that was very telling and. You know, I'm really interested to see where it goes from here with him because certainly he is a driver who's got maybe two or three, you know, years, maybe four. We know he's got two for sure left on his SHR contract. I mean, I think, you know, he can still do a few more years. I'm not sure about five. Maybe he'll want to go two, three, four. Certainly going to have a broadcasting career if he wants one afterward. I'm, I'm quite certain of that. But... You know, he's definitely somebody who could be a big influence on a lot of these younger drivers if, you know, again, he keeps himself humble and teaches them how to do things properly. And I think he's made some statements, Jacob, about some of them like Bubba Wallace that really tell me that maybe Kevin Harvick has found his role going forward in the sport. And I think that's great, but he definitely isn't ready to retire yet. Cause he no. opened a can of whoop ass, not once, but twice over the weekend that race yesterday had its strategies, but it was all Kevin Harvick in the end. Yes, it was. And Cisco, it was all Kevin Harvick on Saturday too. And I want to touch on this because Kevin Harvick did a couple of things. He tied a record by winning in the Xfinity series for a fourth different organization tying a record held by his co-boss Tony Stewart and he gave Biagi Denbesti Racing their first win on a non-restrictor plate track I know you Cisco uh, really respect some of these historical little nuggets like I do fourth career win for them and this one was cool it wasn't a draft it wasn't one of those it it happened you know you kind of look at it and go oh this was a drop down beat down at the end of the day and Fred Biaggi afterwards said we had ourselves a driver and that was fun yeah and it it was you know very reminiscent of well I guess you know hindsight's 2020 it was very similar we should have saw that and go "Uh uh-oh in terms of the cup race the next day because it was very it was very similar domination we saw it was Kevin Harvick Uh Kevin Harvick and Kevin Harvick well Tom accurately called that as soon as Harvick dominated the Xfinity race on Saturday. He said, field, look out. Field looked out. They saw Kevin Harvick driving away. Well, and and I mean, look, again, Kevin Harvick won two races. Now, the cars may have been great that he was driving, but it's his right foot and the way that he has learned to basically, as he 
put it in the press conference, our our traction control is working very nicely, and it isn't a device. It's his right foot. He's driving that track in a way that nobody else has figured out how to do so, and my gosh, it was just unbelievable to watch him just tear uh, great drivers apart yesterday. Yes, it was, and we are going to step aside. When we return, we just started talking about the Xfinity race. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk to one of Harvick's SHR teammates. He happens to be an Xfinity driver, making his Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series debut this coming weekend in Vegas. Cole Custer joins us on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. I'm Kaz Grawl, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens on a Monday night as we talk all things racing. And as I alluded to before our break, we are now going to go to a driver from the NASCAR Xfinity Series who is making his Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series debut for Rick Ware Racing this weekend in the number 51 Haas Automation Ford, Cole Custer, back on the madness with us once again. Cole, I know it was a short day for you on Saturday, but I'd have to believe that's all behind you, and you're looking full steam ahead to what's about to be the biggest step of your career Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas. First off, welcome back, and second off, how excited are you to get ready to do this and uh all of a sudden appear in the field of the 36 best drivers in NASCAR coming up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty unreal to think about. I mean, you know, I was a kid that, you know, never thought I would ever make it to that level, but uh, now here we are. So I think uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a, definitely a learning experience, but I'm, I'm ready for it, and hopefully we can just make, it, make the best of our day and uh, try and run all the laps and see what we, what we come out with. Talk a little bit about how this came together, kind of uh, a little bit of the timeline. I know I don't want you to give away any trade secrets, but how, you know, how long has this been in the works? Was this something you guys have been talking about since the end of last year, or when did the talks start to be able to make this a reality? Uh, probably just probably in the middle of the off season. You know, just tried to trying to really just get me some some a little bit of cup experience just to you know get my feet wet in it a little bit but that's you know in the off season you start trying to think about things that you can do in the next season and uh this is what came about i believe correct me if i'm wrong but you were part of the test session that they had out there right before the start of the season in vegas weren't you yep yep Talk a little bit about what that experience was like. I know that can only help you going into this weekend because you've had track time in Vegas before, but there's no comparison to actually having track time at Vegas in a cup car. Yeah, I mean, definitely just being able to go to that test and kind of shake it down and get a feel for what the cup car is like was pretty huge, I think. And uh, I think going back, we should uh, should be fairly solid. Like by the end of the day, on the second day in the test session, I felt like we were right in the mix with everybody. So I think uh, as long as we uh, do everything right and try and uh, not make any mistakes, I think there's no reason why we can't have a solid day. But uh, that that test session was definitely huge, getting to get a feel for the car. Now, Cole, you filled in for uh, Matt Benedetto or Matt DiBurrito, as we all know and love him. Uh, I think in that particular test session, talk about for our audience from a driving standpoint, the difference between driving, for example, Vegas in your Xfinity car and what you have to do differently with the cup car there. Uh, I would say it's just uh, everything gets a little bit harder. It's not like it's uh, one big thing that's a huge difference. It's just that all the little things add up to where it's a lot to kind of get used to. So I think uh, obviously you have more motors, so you're going a lot faster at the end of the straightaways, and uh, you go into the corners and you have to lift a lot more. You have to use the brake a little bit. So it's just doing the little things that, and there's, I mean, just more throttle control that you need rolling back to the gas. So it's just, it's just a little bit of everything that, you know, you have to change your driving a little bit. So it, it's nothing huge, but it definitely adds up to 
to a lot. And then you're going up against guys who do this for a living, who've been doing it for 20 years. And it's, uh, they, you know, they know it, they know it like the back of their hands. So it's, it's definitely a, a little bit to get used to and up to speed. Well, yeah, I would certainly think that uh, you're more than ready, particularly at uh, this track, because having that test, I would think is a great advantage to you. Now, I know that you haven't worked with Rick Ware and the team, but I have to believe that your team, Stuart Haas Racing, would be at least in assisting in some sort of way, shape, or form with all of this. Right, Cole? Yeah, so we're kind of doing an alliance thing this weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh should have a fairly solid car there and hopefully have a good day. Now, for you... Vegas is a track that a lot of people this past weekend call really the first real mile and a half of the season. Not that Atlanta's not a mile and a half, but the tire wear there is so different. Uh, And you running double duty, how busy is this weekend going to be for you, knowing that not only are you focusing on your Xfinity car and trying to make the playoffs there, but you've got the added track time and the added uh, busy, busyness in your schedule of the cup car as well. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, Vegas is definitely probably more of the regular mile and a half that you get to go to, so I think you'll get a better feel for who's got what on the mile and a half looking into the into the year, really. But uh, it will definitely be different. I'm, I haven't done too many double-duty kind of things, so I think it'll be – uh, definitely tough going back and forth and trying to keep your schedule right and not being late to stuff, but, uh, uh, it, it should work out all right. And, uh, it'll be, it'll be fun getting to drive a lot, but it'll, uh, it'll definitely be busy. Listen to your boss, Tony Stewart. He was late to a few things and I've heard him tell people, don't be like me. Don't be late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cole, I was curious, kind of on the, on the subject of that, who have you gotten a chance to talk to about you know, doing double duty and having to, you know, race both races. Who have you kind of reached out to in that regard? Uh, I haven't talked to anybody really about it yet so far, but I, I'm going to try and talk to Kevin a little bit about it and just going into the weekend trying to get an idea of what I'm what I'm getting thrown into, I guess, you know. But uh, I think it's definitely going to be – he always he has a lot of good advice, so I always uh, try and talk with Kevin. Speaking of Kevin – you watched him basically annihilate the field for two straight days. Uh, what was that like? I mean, it seems like not just the SHR Xfinity program, but the Cup program, obviously, on Sunday, too. Uh, it seems like every single car out of the organization right now, no matter what series it in, has a ton of speed. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta, I think, is a really good place for SHR. I think, you know, we, we bring some really great cars there, and I think... Uh, Obviously, everybody's pretty impressed with Kevin Harvick there, but uh, really, from a driver's standpoint, it's pretty unreal to see him go up against. I mean, every single guy in that cup field knows how to drive a race car really good. So, I mean, for him to be that much better than all of them is pretty impressive, but uh, it, it was definitely a strong showing for sure. What's the goal for you this weekend? I know as a racer, the obvious answer is, you know, go out try and get the car as fast as we can and have the best finish that we can. But have you set any specific goals for yourself as far as things you want to accomplish during the cup race this weekend? Yeah. I mean, right now I think one of the first goals probably just running all the laps and trying to get all the experience that you can. And hopefully we can, you know, make that a top 20 or, or, you know, 
maybe more, you know, but, but I think that's where we're going to start it right now. Does it make it easier for you making your cup debut at a track where you have a decent amount of experience and a decent amount of starts? I mean, you've been at Vegas in both the Camping World truck and the Xfinity car a few times apiece. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a place I have some experience. I wouldn't say it's my best track at all, but I think it uh, definitely helps to be familiar with it and have that test also. So it's it's uh, it's it's a lot better than showing up to a place you've never been to before. So that should uh, that should help a lot. You're one of the young guns. I mean, we've talked about the youth movement since before the start of the season. Uh, what is it like for you going into this weekend? Did you anticipate your cup debut being this quick as far as your succession through the ranks, or did you think maybe you'd have to wait a little bit longer? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody expects to really be moving up as fast as you know we all do now. So I think uh, it's... Uh, you know, when you're a kid, you never really think you're ever going to make it to that level. But it's it's definitely cool to be able to get my first cup start and trying to, you know, make something of it, I think, this weekend. If it goes well this weekend, do we potentially see any more later this year? Have you guys even thought that far ahead yet, or is the focus just on this one for now? Yeah, I mean, for now it's just this one. But, uh, you know, we're going to see how it turns out and see what happens, and hopefully we, you know, we you know we can get some more but right now the only plan is this one right now well obviously we know you can't do any of this alone and there's thank yous and shout outs and sponsors uh, that help make it all possible for you cole so uh take a minute and uh say whatever thank yous you need to who makes it happen for cole custer yeah i mean definitely i wouldn't be able to do what i do without gene haas and haas automation everybody at Stuart haas racing so it's uh definitely a dream come true coming up this weekend have you talked to your dad yet? I know he's probably over in Barcelona, still uh, busy with the F1 side of things, but has he given you any advice for this weekend? Uh, a little bit. I mean, you know, he's uh, he's always around, and, but he's uh, he tries to not get into the driving side of things too much, I guess, this weekend. I know you've got plenty of good people that uh, certainly can help you along on that front, Cole, and we're definitely wishing you the best of luck this weekend. We look forward to seeing that number 51 Ford out on track, and I wish you all the best for a safe and a successful run on Sunday. Yep, thank you, guys. Thanks, Cole. That is Cole Custer. And, Tom, before we go to break really quickly, I know uh, you and I were talking about this during the Atlanta race weekend. This is exciting times for Cole and for SHR coming off a showing where they had four cars in the top ten all race long, it seemed like. Uh, you know, really good point in this team early in the year for Cole to be making this debut. Well, yeah, they're certainly riding a wave, aren't they? I mean, they, they've come off a stellar performance at Atlanta, that's for sure. And with the first sort of test for the uh, Biagi Dembesti partnership car, so to speak, with Kevin in it, uh, we saw what happened there. So, and Cole was fast. I mean, it was unfortunate what happened with him just getting collected in that racing deal with uh, Elliot and John Hunter. But I certainly think that SHR has established themselves as a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with and you know I don't know where all this uh Ford disadvantage is at this point uh but I think they're just fine I think they're quite healthy and I think 
you know, seeing Eric Almarola running well in the 10 car and seeing how well the other three cars have run, uh, I think they go into Vegas very strong. And in fact, I would look for Kurt Busch to may, maybe be the one that actually comes out of the, the pack there and uh, runs well at his home track along with his brother Kyle, who obviously is not driving for Stuart Haas. But I, I think that has the chance to... Uh, be a, a big race for Kurt. So we'll see how that plays out. But certainly a great start to the year for Stuart Haas. And if they can keep up that kind of performance from week to week, they're going to be just fine. In the inevitable words of Denny Hamlin, the Fords have an advantage. It's clear the Fords have a big advantage. Yeah, I don't know if they have an advantage. No, but Denny I, was being sarcastic. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't, I don't think they have an advantage right now. I think they just don't have a disadvantage. I think we saw strong performances from a lot of the Toyotas, and even a few of the Chevrolets were running well. You For know, a the, bit. the Hendrick cars just weren't necessarily running well, but certainly, you know, Ryan Newman ran very well. Kyle Larson ran very well, and. You know, Austin Dillon got better as the race went on. Bubba Wallace, I think, got faster as the race went on until he ended up getting caught up in that smoke show that uh, Trevor Bain put on there. But, um, you know, all in all, I think it was pretty even brand-wise at Atlanta. I just think that the only advantage that the Fords had, if they had one, were the fact that they came out of the box and from almost off the trailer the Fords were fast. I think the Chevys needed the weekend and actually needed half the race, some of them, to figure it out. And the Toyotas performed well, but a lot of them just didn't have a lot of luck. Uh, you know, Truex and Kyle Busch being among the teams, for example, that yeah. had the problems with the air guns, the pits. I'm going to remind them. us before the break that last year it took Toyota until about race 16 with their new car before they were the dominant force, and then they proceeded to win more than half of the second half of the schedule. And so what we'll are you just saying? leave it at that. I'm saying that Chevy may take a little while to come in, but once they do come in, I look out. I think so. Like I said, there were some fast Chevys yesterday. I don't think it'll take them a while. I think Hendrick still needs to find a few things. Eh. Hendrick equals Chevrolet for the most part. We're going to step Ooh. aside when we return. More to Chevy than that. We'll see. More motorsports conversation after this. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be right back. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. 
featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back to the madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Steve Ovens, Cisco Scaramuza, and our fearless leader, Tom Baker, with you on a Monday night as we talk all things racing and continue to talk about the NASCAR triple header weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And one of the unique things about this particular weekend is the fact that Saturday features both a NASCAR Xfinity Series race and a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race in the same day. Now, There were a lot of opinions flying around on social media about this when it was first announced, but Steve-O, I think over the last few years, and I've been to most of the doubleheader weekends that they've done at AMS now, or doubleheader days, I should say, I love this concept, and the buzz, at least earlier this morning on Twitter, was that perhaps more SMI tracks may follow suit with an idea like this. I love it for a the fans because it's a great Saturday ticket you get bang for your buck you get two rounds of qualifying you get cup practice you get two races I mean it's an all-day affair but good grief you're done by 7 38 o'clock and can get home and get some sleep I love it uh I think that we need more of this uh I love the the idea that you can get two races in one day 
And from the marketing side, I mean, this is great. We, we talk about wanting to get more fans, put more butts in the seats at the racetrack. I think this is a great way to do it. And the other thing, you look at how Atlanta had their weekend laid out this weekend. Kids under a certain age were free for both the Xfinity and the truck race already. So you didn't have any of those challenges. It's one ticket price. You come in, you see two shows. Kids under a certain age are free, which we need more of in our sport as well. I think it's I 12 love and it. under. Give me more yeah, 12. of it. Yep. Yeah, 12 and under. Yeah, I agree. I, I think these double headers are an interesting way. And I've said for a long time that I think the amount of practice that we do in the Cup Series is absurd. Well, this weekend they did it right. There was one round on Friday, right. one round on Saturday, and that's it. That's it. I mean, it's it's just absurd the amount of time that, that we used to spend practicing with these cars. You race for 500 miles, for crying out loud, if you can't get – your car dialed in in 500 miles, you better go back and try it again. I mean, I just feel like this is a format that's built for fans. You get your money's worth, as Steve was saying. You get a whole day of on-track action. And even for those of us in the media who are working the event, I mean, yeah, you get there really early, obviously. But, you know, as you said, by 7, 7, 8 o'clock, the action's over, and it gives you a chance to... You know, still have time to go out and get a bite to eat and enjoy your Saturday night before you have to get up and do it all over again on Sunday. So I just think, Steve, that this is a perfect format, and I would love to see. It gives you a chance also to squeeze another race in, another division maybe. You know, in Atlanta it was the trucks, but I would love to see on some of these tracks maybe a NASCAR late model race or, you know, even more modified racing, that type of thing. Tom, think about, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, we were, and I say we as fans, we were paying for tickets to go watch practice and time trials. Yeah. I mean, if on Friday, that was a thing. And and this this whole conversation is a great conversation about how much this sport is evolving. Yeah. And, and how we have to get creative with how we put these weekends together. I mean, I know that there's kind of mixed reviews, Jacob, on the whole... Uh, qualifying and racing on the same day, but it's it's those lines of thinking that really show how this sport's evolving as, as we try to do what we can to give a better experience to the fan. Absolutely right, and I love how the race weekend concept has evolved over the last few years, and NASCAR's tried to make it more economical, not just for the fans, but for the teams as well, trying to cut down some of the travel days and some of the extra days at the track, making it two-day shows for you know, condensing the program a bit. All of this is good, and it keeps the greater good, I think, in mind. It's all uh, trending in the right direction. I want to talk about the truck series for a minute because, Cisco, we had a first-time winner during Saturday night's truck series nightcap. It wasn't a driver. It was a team. She, Shiggy Hattori, my gosh, this team was the story for a couple years with Ryan Truex, the little team that could now, after one late race restart and a three-wide pass with two to go in overtime, they're the little team that did. They're in the playoffs. You took the words right out of my mouth. And not only did we have that, we had 
my nominee for this week's greatest broadcast moment in NASCAR history, which was Kyle Busch driving down the apron until, whoop, there goes the tire. Oh, dear. <laughs> hey, Cisco, don't you remember? He did that at Dover in the cup car last year. Yeah, I know. But it's hilarious every time it happens because it looks like it's a little RC car that, like, the wheel came off of. It's, it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Let's remind ourselves, by the way, that the other nominee for greatest broadcast moment in history happened on Sunday when Daryl Walter <laughs> called Ryan Blaney a dial tone. Compared Ryan Blaney to a dial tone, to, to which NASCAR chasm, the only reason, I might add, with no disrespect to anyone else on Twitter during uh, race days, but NASCAR chasm is the highlight all the time on race days. To which NASCAR Chasm promptly comes back with, I can't wait until the next issue of DW's Outdated Comparisons. And then in quotes, that Alex Bowman reminds me of an old cassette deck. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know. That was almost... Uh, that was almost as good as uh, Dreamboat McDial Tone. Yeah, dream, yeah, that was later. Dreamboat McDial Tone oh, has just gosh. appeared in the top ten. You know, it's uh, again. I mean, I love Daryl because this is what you get. You you get the the sort of hashtag say what at this point from him every once in a while, and uh, it's good that we can all I, have a little fun, Cisco. I, I, there's there's one point I want to make. There's two different kinds of those, though. There's the ones that make sense, like talking about co-opetition, which we basically use every time that we go to a play <laughs> yeah, track and actually right. make sense. Then there's references like this where I'm sitting there going, what? Well, that's <laughs> what I'm wait, saying. What? Say what? You know, that's, uh, you know, I, I just think, uh, again, you're right, though. The, the whole Kyle Busch situation, Jacob, was was kind of. Well, it, it was obviously unfortunate for Kyle, yes. but it was also at kind of an interesting point in that race, too, because... That was the last pit stop with, like, right before the overtime. Yeah, I mean, this is when you expect Kyle Busch to do Kyle Busch things. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't fun. By the way, Steve, interesting to note here that when a wheel comes off, it's crew member suspensions and the tire carrier and tire changer there on that four truck were SHR pit crew members on loan to KBM. Not only is that crossing manufacturer lines and made me scratch my head, Steve O'Donnell also said the possibility exists that those suspensions would be limited to the Camping World Truck Series only as opposed to all three series because they were not in their primary element. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, that that race could have had an impact uh, on the bigger picture and, and you know some higher series uh, down the line. That that really kind of made things interesting. But um, you know that does that that is pretty interesting though, guys. You, you've got you know SHR uh, guys, you know, kind of on loan uh, to a different manufacturer, a different team. Yeah. Um, but. Hey, I mean, uh, can you imagine the conversations that were had after that tire came off? Um, trying to figure out, uh, oh, I can this, imagine this Kyle really Busch's best... conversation, and I can promise you that of all the little buttons on my little production board over here, I would have been hitting the one that says beep a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, was, there a, was there a radio sweetheart moment perhaps from this? Um, enough for about three weeks. 
Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Kyle's version of it is that he didn't uh, decline any interviews. He just decided to go be with his family. But um, you can make of that what you will. But, yeah, really an unfortunate situation. I surely hope that this doesn't impact Clint Boyer's uh, crew lineup in the future. I mean, I, I think NASCAR has got to take a look at this and ask themselves how they're going to deal with this going forward. Because if you've got a crew from a cup team that's not your team crewing your truck and something like this happens, you're disadvantaging two groups at that point, the truck team and uh, that cup team if you sit them down. So I, I don't know. I mean, this is really going to be interesting to see what uh, happens here. Yes, it will be. We're going to talk more NASCAR a little later in the show. Right now, we're going to step away to a commercial break. And when we return, Cisco, be ready to regale us because there are colors, there are F1 cars, and we had testing in Barcelona, Spain. We talk about that on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the roundtable and Jacob Seelman. 
Orange. That is where we're going to start this segment. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens. And Cisco, we're going to talk open wheel. We're going to talk F1. And I am going to talk about Orange. Why? Because McLaren. That's why. Orange. Orange. And the quote on motorsport.com as I look at it, Alonzo believes six teams are in, quote, big trouble. So the uh, the flip-flop one series is uh, once again <laughs> firing up with testing, and they're at Circuit de Catalunya over in Barcelona. And, uh, yes, the first of, I believe, how many days is it? Five, six days of testing, something like that? Eight total spread over two weeks. All right. But nonetheless, still the first day of testing, of course, assuming that they don't get snowed out, which is apparently a thing now. But what? the first day, yep, nope, forecasters saying they could get snow in Spain. <laughs> wow. The snow in Spain we, falls mainly on the F1 track. How many tire compounds do we have, and do we have one for snow? Or can we make one for snow? <laughs> well, <laughs> not that I know of. It doesn't matter. We always Hamilton a win with whatever you put on the car. That's pretty much, you know, how that goes. Except he didn't win practice. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's practice. Cisco, Red Bull, they were fast. But but before they were fast, we didn't finish orange. I know Fernando said there are six teams that should be very worried. But can we talk about how great the papaya cars look? I mean, this yes. is McLaren. Papaya orange is the thing. And the fact that it's back on the grid it looks so good. Not it quite as good so as the good. Hello Kitty pink that Force India is continuing to use, which is <laughs> at least at least someone's trying it. At least it's... I give them credit for at least trying it. And pink, yeah. pink is such a terrible color for flip flops. I mean, how many people do you know who wear pink flip flops? I mean, my sister. You know, <laughs> now that these, well, maybe and, and Liberace used to, I think. Now that these cars <laughs> actually have flip flop tops, I mean. You know, come on. Uh, gosh, did, did they not consult with IndyCar to see what they were doing with their uh, driver safety technology in it, the cockpit area? I mean, these things are just terrible. I will say, though, Daniel Ricardo did say that the halo did not block the view of the starting lights. So it's okay. Everything's. Oh, no. Oh, actually, well, that, no, that, it isn't. That, that, that makes it. Everything is not than... great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the, it looks like crap. I mean. Gosh, these are supposed you know to be like? the engineering it marvels looks... of the world, and somebody put a flip-flop on the top of them. Or it's like the little handhold for, like, kids if they want to push their, like, Model F1 cars around, but they don't want to scratch the paint. It's like a little handhold yeah. to, like, push, push the cars around the carpet. It's just bad. I mean, I I'm sorry, but the, the, the cars... The cars with those tops, it's like the, that is so out of place on those cars. I'm not saying it won't increase safety, so I'm not trying to crush it from that standpoint. I'm simply saying that here IndyCar does an absolutely marvelous job of coming up with the same type of a cage-type covering, and, you know, we, we get a flip-flop on an F1 car. I mean, gosh. Yeah, it's... It's not a good look, but going back to what Jacob was trying to allude to earlier, Daniel Ricardo was on top of the lap board today, yes. and once again, I'm happy for him because I think in terms of sheer driving talent, Danny's probably one of the top guys in that series. Ding. Absolutely. Ding. 
<laughs> so it was more... him and then Valtteri Botas was in the Mercedes. Shocker. Both of them were on mediums. And then Kimi Raikkonen, third on the speed charts, ironically on softs, which is kind of odd. Well, well, I mean, I, I it guess. It is Kimi. Well, I, I'm not even sure it's because it's Kimi. I mean, I think that's the purpose of a test is to be able to try different things. So I'm not surprised. Reliability, reliability, well, reliability. Yeah, but you're testing. I mean, you know, it's you yeah. know, try each, each tire and see what, you know, I'm not surprised a soft tire would go faster, honestly. I mean, that's, we see that in all forms of motorsports, that the softer the tire compound, the more grip that you get for a short amount of time, you know, that's how you break track records. But I just the tire doesn't last. I know if Enzo was was still with us, he would have wanted Ferrari to be on top of every practice qualifying <laughs> and any sort of time board that would be possible. He but, was but a competitive we don't live in that sort. world anymore. Yes, no. that's, that's exactly right. Cisco, I am curious because we heard Gunter Steiner from Haas F1 talk about it during the course of the day, or you did if you listened to any of the press conferences through Formula One management and all of that, that Gunter Steiner said everybody's goal is not about putting up one fast lap. It's about making sure your car is reliable enough to turn a lot of laps. How important is this eight-day stretch of testing going to be when you consider a team like a McLaren who last year couldn't get out of their own way because they kept breaking things all the time. How important for some of these teams that struggled with that exact topic, reliability, last year is this test to make sure they fire off out of the box stronger? It's extremely important, and it's also important when you remember that Honda is back with Toro Rosso as well, so that's a brand new program. Yeah, and where did they end up on the timesheet again? Well, it's uh, a new program. I mean, we should probably give them a little while, shouldn't we? Yeah, they were on the bottom end, and I will give them a little while. But, but... the engine didn't blow up. The engine didn't blow up in this first day. Look, it's it's, it's a plus. you got to find pluses somewhere. I'm trying to find a plus for them. And, you know, I think it does help for them to have as much success on the IndyCar side as they've had. But... Amen. Now, Honda didn't blow up with Toro Rosso. However, Fernando's McLaren, well... It still had bad luck. Well, I just think that car is just cursed at this point. <laughs> they just need to just change the number on it, or, like, Fernando should just change his name or something, but it's it's cursed. I, I'm telling you, it's cursed. Drew For anybody, Boat McDial tone, maybe? Nah. Ryan Blaney in F1, really? <laughs> no. No, I can't see I, it. I'd pay to see it. I'd pay well... To see it. I mean, you know, DW would probably think that Fernando reminds him of a dial tone, too, because he has a similarly laid-back personality to Blaney's. Very true. Very true. Now, for anybody who's confused and wondering, wait, what happened to Fernando and why did he have bad luck? The wheels fell off. Literally. I was just going to say, did you see Kyle Busch? Same thing. Except with F1, there's not a fender there, so it's a little bit more sort of, like, bad. And also those cars cost way more than the camping world. That's true. What what is it that you always say, Tom? You picked a nice time to leave me, loose wheel. That's actually a fine time, sir. Whatever. Yeah. Close enough. Isn't that another DW quote, too? Well, yes, quoting a Kenny Rogers song, but. Uh, that which not, was in your era time. That's I think. unlike yes, it was. That's unlike the dial tone comment, which clearly was original DW. The you picked a fine time to leave me loose wheel is something that all announcers say whenever 
a car loses a wheel because, well, it's what you say when a the car loses time. a wheel. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's appropriate. All right, so what have we learned from day one of testing, Cisco? I think ultimately what we've learned is the mindset for a lot of these teams and that, especially for McLaren, it's just make sure we finish, please. But also just... I think it's a little early to look at, like, testing speeds and stuff. But, hey, they're showing up, and McLaren's at the top of the board. So I, I think a lot of this, like you said, we saw in the press conference, is coming down to reliability. I think that's where it needs to be. Absolutely. And tomorrow we get to see all the drivers flip-flop, which means day two of testing, you will get your first taste of four-time and defending world champion Lewis Hamilton, Tom, in the new Mercedes. Yes. Any uh, bets on where he ends up? Uh, no. I, uh, I mean, because, again, it's practice. Who really cares at this point? You're just trying to learn things. But, you know, I just uh, I, I think once the season starts, you'll probably, you know, I, I, look, I'd love to think that we could have a three or four team F1 championship chase. Three team at least. You know, You've got Mercedes, obviously, Red Bull, obviously, Ferrari, obviously. If McLaren can sneak in there and make a run at this, even if a mild one, you know, even if they can be a season-long spoiler where every few races they run up and get you know, a couple of podiums or whatever, you'd have a very interesting season. But you know, at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to who can beat Lewis Hamilton? Because, I mean, the guy's just, right now, the guy is the best there is and the best there's been in F1 in a long, long time. And until he slows down, you're going to have to pick up your game in order to beat him. Steve, are you still awake over there? Absolutely. <laughs> I think it took him a minute to yeah, wake up, Yeah, he had Tom. to decide whether he, he was think. still awake or not. But, uh, I mean, we have been talking about the cars with the flip-flop tops. So yes, we have. That's a, little, that's a little bit of a ways from Steve's usual fare, which is big block modifieds up north. Which is where my, we're going my to My version get... of flip-flop tops or sail panels. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Much nicer looking, I might add. Yes. Anyway, we're going to get to Steve's wheelhouse. Right after this, you're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we talk dirt next on the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. 
My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. That means I'm pulling Steve out of the kitchen, and before we talk dirt, what's for dinner tonight? We are going with a chicken cordon bleu with some wild rice. For anybody who's wondering, the food thing is a running joke because, well, eventually Steve is going to actually bring us food. But, you know, we, we, we World, wait. World Finals 2018. It's going to happen. I will be in studio. Attaboy. Attaboy. St- hear that, Tom? Steve will be in studio with food. I, I hear that. That's uh, The problem is we don't have a kitchen in this particular studio, so he'll have to import it from somewhere. Eh. We'll get him to bring a pizza or something. <laughs> yeah, you could Bunsen burner it. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> there we, you go. We Says used to the science use a, a, you know, a little hot plate and a pan back in the college days. That'll could work. do that. Yeah, that'll, oh, there you man. go. We'll set that up. Hey, Steve-O. NASCAR is in Vegas this weekend. The Outlaws are in Vegas this weekend. Actually, technically, I guess it's midweek because they're running Wednesday and Thursday in advance of the triple header. And you know what? I'm excited about two things. Should I tell you what I'm excited about? Go for it. Okay. The first thing I'm excited about is this kid driving for a guy named Paul Silva. He's going to be in the 57 car that some kid named Kyle Larson has won a lot of races in over the past few years. And I'm going to make a bold statement. You heard it here, folks. This could be the next Kyle Larson, but I think he doesn't want to go pavement. He's the next Kyle Larson, and he's going to be what Kyle would have been if he had stayed on dirt. I'm talking about Gio Selzy, 
And I'm talking about a kid, Steve, that number one comes from a racing pedigree. If you know the Selzy name, you know their history in the sport of straight liners. But Geo is a heck of a shoe in a dirt sprint car. And I'm not just saying this. I believe it in my heart. He will contend to win at Las Vegas Dirt Track this week. Well, uh, Jacob, I'm not going to disagree with you. And and the reason that I'm not going to disagree is because Geo has been brought up the right way in racing. They didn't just, you know, try to get a big sponsor and go World of Outlaws racing on day two. They've done this the right way. They've brought him up on the local tracks. They have com- tried, you know, they've tried competing with the World of Outlaws when they've been in town. They've primarily raced out on the West Coast. And I just think that they have really done a great job of raising this driver and not giving him too much too quick. And I think his performance at the Chili Bowl and his performances out West speak for themselves. Um, You know, I got to give a hand to the entire crew that has brought this driver to the point that he's at right now. And he is going to jump in, Jacob, arguably one of the best sprint cars he's ever sat in coming up this weekend he told me face to face at the chili bowl this is the best opportunity he's had in his racing career and why not you're driving for the car owner that brought kyle larson to so much sprint car success in the past couple of years and you're driving for the guy who sponsored jason johnson When Jason won the Knoxville Nationals in 2016, when you have Paul Silva and you have Richard Marshall in your corner, you know the resources are there, you know the knowledge is there, you know the platform is there, you just have to go out and drive. And that's what I love about Gio. He is one of the best pure drivers that I've seen since Larson. And doesn't this situation sound eerily familiar to another young driver who we talked about in the weeks preceding Dirt Car Nationals? He's got an opportunity and a top ride, and all he has to worry about now is going out and driving the race car. And look what that kid that we were talking about did at Dirt Car Nationals. Oh, you mean Sheldon Hoddenshield? Yeah, that guy. That guy. Yeah, he he won a race and came in second in Dirt Car National points to Donnie Shots. I mean, I I guess that's okay. So, yeah, I'm with you, Jacob. I think that this is going to be a very telling weekend uh, for Geo's future. Now, you know, let's not put too much pressure on the young man, but, I I mean, when you've got the best equipment that you can have at your disposal and, and you've got, you know, the right people around you, um, there is going to be a little bit of expectation there. So, I'm, you know, as much as I'm looking forward to seeing him in the 57, I'm also interested to see how he handles the pressure this weekend. I don't have any indication that he's not going to come through and perform. But, Tom, this is one of those opportunities, and, and you, you know, you've certainly seen this as a driver coach, of – once you get to that level and once you have that opportunity in the palm of your hand, how do you handle that pressure and how do you come through on the racetrack? Well, and see, that's a lot of what this is. It, racing is a mental sport. It is obviously a physical sport as well, but it's a mental sport. And, and the stage can be pretty big 
when you get to that level. But I think Gio Selzy's going to be fine. And I do agree with the Kyle Larson comparison. You know, these kids that are coming up, you know, Jeb Wise is one of them. Gio Selzy is one of them. You see these young racers and it seems like they're barely old enough to be racing senior go-kart classes and they're already running 360 or 410 sprint cars and yet they're very, very good or midgets. You know, it's it's just great to see some of the talent in the open wheel ranks now. And I think it's a telling sign that you're seeing more and more kids going that way. Jesse Love out in California is going to be racing some 360 sprint races he just turned 13 and you know he's a young driver that's got an extreme amount of talent i think and he's very very smart i've been working with him coaching him for a while now almost a year and he's really just an incredibly big brained kid for his age and i think that's the big secret is you know to be able to to actually uh develop in your mind the programming to to race these cars and not be intimidated and yes dylan westbrook another example you know some of these kids are just really really good for their age no you're absolutely right tom i brought up dylan westbrook because you know he is starting to make a name for himself here on the east coast and in the northeast and you know that's a i feel like dylan is an example just like these guys that are, are you know being raised up on on the west coast and really doing a fine job yeah. so um you know the, i think that uh, the sport of sprint car racing is going to be healthy here uh in the foreseeable future jacob yes and on the flip side of that coin we've been talking about all the youth there's one veteran steve that we've not heard a lot about in the last few years that's gonna be making a reappearance This is a driver who has not won a championship with the World of Outlaws since, oh, back right after the turn of the decade. In fact, he's not even raced with the World of Outlaws in three years. But he's going to be a threat to win. Welcome back to the World of Outlaws this week at Las Vegas Jason Myers. Remember that name? Yeah, uh, that is uh, quite a name who is a a past champion. And, you know, Jacob, he is probably one of uh, what only a handful of guys that have won a a championship. Not even a handful of guys. One of three that have won a championship in this decade. But because he's not on tour anymore, how quickly we forget just how good Jason Myers was. He was the kind of guy that, you know, he got his wins in his championship year. But if you remember, his consistency was rivaled only by what we've seen from Donnie Schatz in the last handful of years. Along with Donnie's wins, of course, but that's going to be a headline this weekend that you're absolutely right, has not gotten its due, uh, you know, in preview of this weekend. It's not gotten its due in a long time, Tom, and I remember a few years back when Jason was 
beating Donnie rather regularly. This was the years back 2010, 2011, 2012 when Donnie Schatz wasn't winning 25 races a year. In fact, you were lucky if anybody on the World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series got to 10 wins in the course of a single season. That's how much parity there was during those years when you had Jason, when you had Craig Delansky, when you had Schatz, you had Pittman. You had five or six guys who were capable of winning every single night, and they really did split the uh, the year quite evenly. We had that parity. Now, we don't, but it doesn't mean that Jason Myers can't come back and still pull one or two over on these guys. Well, sure he can. I mean, I think the Outlaws right now, it's kind of an interesting situation because I believe that there's a chance that we see that parody as we go through the year and maybe not to the degree that we had back in those years. But because I do believe Donnie Schatz will still get his 20 or 25 race wins. But we, we mentioned earlier that new team, you know, the Senhouse Marshall team, with Sheldon Hoddenshield, and, and you've got Casey Kane Racing, who's still going to be strong. You know, there there are a number of teams that I think you got gravel in there, number of teams who can get it done, and I, I think it's going to get to a point here this year and going into next year if it continues as it is, where it's going to be hard for shots to get to 20. I think it's just getting increasingly more difficult for him to have the kind of blistering dominating seasons that we've seen I mean I thought the trend was going last year for him to just win about 50 races and he obviously didn't get anywhere near that and that tells me and as we go into this year you see signs that you know what we're gonna see some more competitive teams yet so yeah I definitely believe that Jason can go in and get some wins and that only helps the series I mean we need as many cars as we can get that can run up front in that series because as much as we all love Donnie shots there ceases to be a story after about the 15th win you know nobody wants to just see him run roughshod for 90 races over a series so I do believe that the parody is actually a good thing absolutely we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side of said break, we're going to continue talking dirt because, Steve, I know there was a big, big, big breaking story, two of them, actually, that came out this morning up in your neck of the woods in the big block division that we'll talk about right after this. Here on Motorsports Madness, you're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. 
Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, as well as Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza as we continue to talk dirt track racing. And right now, Steve-O, as we mentioned before the break, a couple of big, I don't want to call them intertwined stories, but they kind of fall hand in hand because the Super Dirt Car Big Block Modified Series is losing one of their regulars... However, in return, they're picking somebody up who I think is going to be a real dark horse threat to potentially challenge Matt Shepard. I can't believe I'm saying this. Somebody's actually going to challenge Matt Shepard for the season-long championship. Uh, Disappointing to see that Larry White is not going to follow the tour in 2018, but I love the Ray Graham-Peter Britton pairing. I just think that is fantastic. Well, let's start with the positive. Let's start with the Peter Britton, Ray Graham pairing. And Jacob, I thought a lot about this today after this story came out. You know, you and I, before the show tonight, talked about Peter Britton being a dark horse. But let's think about that for just a second. Do we really think that this is even a dark horse pick? Because the more I think about it, the more I'm sitting here saying, I think it's almost... Uh, not accurate to say dark horse because I think they're going to be a legitimate contender for the championship. And and obviously, you know, at this point, whoever wins, it's going to have to go through Matt Shepard. I think we've all seen that. But after the performance at Super Dirt Week, I just think that this pairing of Britton and Ray Graham and, you know, Jacob, you and Tom both know the racing heritage with the Graham family. And, and, you know, how well they have done on pavement at Oswego. They bring all that experience. Peter Britton brings all of his experience, which, by the way, is, you know, some people forget just how closely intertwined Peter Britton is with Troyer race cars. And if you don't think that's a big deal, you are sadly mistaken because that is huge. Um, You've got a guy who made Troyer huge in another country across the 
across the world. I mean, this is a guy who showed all of that. He he took all of that. He took the resources of Graham Racing and laid it all on the doorstep at Oswego Speedway last October and was a lap away, a lap away and a lap car, Kenny Tremont away, from winning Super Dirt Week. And so for that reason, I think Britain is more of a, a contender than just a dark horse. I really do. Wow. Tom, any response to that? I totally agree. I think Ray can provide the resources that the team needs. Steve is right. They were a lap away from immortality as far as big block modified racing goes in the Northeast. It doesn't get any bigger than winning the uh, Super Dirt Week race. Any Super Dirt Week race. It doesn't matter which division you win, really. Uh I think this is going to be a great thing. And on the flip side, I think Larry White stepping back, though I understand why, concentrating on running the family business, I believe that if Larry were were to continue, I think Larry's one of these young drivers, like some of the ones we've been talking about on the show already today, if he really put 100% of himself into his racing I think Larry's talent level is limitless, and I think he has the chance to be another Stuart Friesen, but the problem is you've got to want it, you've got to have the situation for it, and he's chosen to kind of be involved with the family business, and obviously racing in a tour like the uh, Super Dirt Car Tour requires a lot of time, and you only have a limited quantity of that when you're trying to run a business Uh, as big as the family business that the Whites have is. And what's interesting about this, Tom and and Jacob, is I was a little surprised. I I do understand the reasoning now as well, but what's surprising, Jacob, is, you know, the Super Dirt Car Series has taken away the home track bonus point program. So it's taken away that necessity to race at at least one, if not two, home tracks every weekend trying to get those home track bonus points, but it doesn't take away that there is a bulk of the schedule that is midweek racing. And when you have a flourishing business and by the way, too, a growing family, I think Larry White is becoming not only a a family businessman, but a family man in general uh, with a new daughter and, and uh, you know, being recently married. So, I mean, you take all these into consideration and you can certainly understand it, but um, I was a little surprised, um, you know, to see that because, guys, this is one of the superstars of the Super Dirt Car series yeah. that essentially is saying, "Look, we're not following the tour, even though we don't have to go to a home track." And and really, Tom, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Larry doesn't run more sprint car races than he does modified races. Well, that's what he's basically saying. It looks like is that he's you know he's going to run fifteen to twenty sprint car races and he's going to split between running shows with the Empire Super Sprint Series, which is a Northeast based series, and running some shows with the World of Outlaws, the All Stars, etc. With the four ten. So, I think that he's probably going to focus more on the sprint cars. And I love that because, again, I just talked about how I believe he has the chance to be a Stuart Friesen type. That's really where Stuart elevated his status is when he went from the big block cars 
to the sprint cars and showed that he could run with the outlaws. I think people sat up and took notice of that. And, you know, Larry has the chance to do the same thing. Absolutely, he does. And I think that's big for Larry. I think this is big for Peter Britton. And you stop and consider, Steve, this is a couple of very big moves for several high-profile names coming out of the Northeast Modified ranks because it wasn't all that long ago that we saw the announcement from Nice Motorsports on the NASCAR side that Max McLaughlin is transitioning into at least four truck races for that team this season. So it, it's a good time to be a Northeast Big Block Dirt Modified driver. It seems like so many good things are happening to that crop lately. For sure, but the one thing that also comes with that is there's going to be quite a mix-up uh, on the driver lineup. I mean, how much have we talked about the youth that has kind of, uh, you know, been placed into the Monster Energy Cup series? Well, I think we're going to see that on the Super Dirt Car series right now, too. Yeah. Not just young guys, but because of the elimination of the home track program, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, young and veteran guys that haven't followed the series in the past that maybe now have an opportunity to do so. So when you talk about driver lineup and you talk about who the superstars of, of the division are, what that looked like three, four months ago at World Finals is going to look much, much different when we get to April and we get to Fulton for the very first uh, points-paying series race of the season. However, the favorite still stands. Yes, but you know what? After after Dirt Car Nationals, Jacob, Matt Shepard looked human. I mean, shockingly, for, for the first time uh, in probably a year and a half, the guy looked human. I mean, uh, it, it was, and you can't put all of you, you know. You obviously, nobody's going to count him out of the championship, but. Those are you also non-points races, we right. might add. They are non-points races for sure, and boy, it's a good thing they are. Um, so, you know, let's see how they move forward from Dirt Car Nationals. Obviously, uh, Shepard is in such a good place right now. He's going to be doing a ton of racing this year. Yes, Super Dirt is. Car Series, the Brett Deo Series. He's got a full-time ride with Sweeteners on Friday nights going after the American Racer Cup. Canadagua, excuse me, now called Land of Legends Raceway, Saturday nights, and they just announced they're paying $2,000 to win every Saturday night. Wow. Uh, Going to be a big, it could be a big uh, year for Shepard again. Could be a big year for the bank account, too. Absolutely right. Now, you mentioned Dirt Car Nationals. I want to circle back to that for just a second, Steve, because something we haven't been able to talk about recently on this show, the T-Mac attack. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tim McCready, I think uh, every fan up here in the Northeast and and guys, what was interesting was there was a big, big conversation that got sparked on social media about how much the fans up here in the Northeast miss seeing Tim McCready on a full time basis in a dirt modified. Now, obviously, he has made a great career for himself and provided a great life for his family racing in the late models so i don't see any changes happening there but for one week for a four race period guys we got to see tim mccready just doing work behind the wheel of that 39 car 27th 
to the win. Takes home not only a little gator, takes home the big gator for the week. And I got to tell you, the buzz, I mean, was just palpable up here. Uh, fans absolutely loving seeing Tim McCready uh, back on top in, in a dirt modified. We still get to see him quite a bit yeah, here in the Northeast and not on a full-time basis. But, boy, for a four- or five-day stretch, boy, it was good to be a dirt modified fan. It was. I couldn't believe it, Tom, the job he did in the big block for – the four or five day stretch at dirt car nationals i mean it was like he had never been away from it and i know tim is always a threat when you go to a race like super dirt week or one of the big summer shows the summer nationals uh, a couple of those crown jewel super dirt car series races but my gosh volusia is not an easy track and to see him make it look so effortless i mean this was the tim mccready i don't want to say of old because he's not that old but <laughs> I mean, this was the Tim McCready that we're all used to. I, I, vintage Tim McCready. Why not? Well, look, you just mentioned a bunch of big shows. It, isn't Volusia a big show? And that a big stage? Those Fair. kind of crown jewel? I mean, look, Steve-O, the, the, the cream rises to the top. And you got to know that him going and having all the success in the dirt late models, he gets back into a modified and it's like stepping back into a comfort zone. You know, you're you're going from a, you know, a supercross bike to a ten speed, basically for Bob or for Tim McCready. Yeah, Bob McCready. There we go. That's Tim's dad, by the way. For those of you listening, I just time warped. But you know, for Tim McCready, this is nothing. So I think it. I think it's not surprising at all. And I also think it's great. As Steve pointed out, he's got a huge fan base. And I think it shines a good spotlight on the big block super dirt cars when his late model fans can see him go and running against those guys. You know, these are people that might not always pay attention to that series um, because they're basically dirt late model fans. I, so I think it works really good as promotion for the uh, big block super dirt cars, too. It does, and, and I want to throw this in here, Jacob, because we were just talking a second ago about how big Dirt Car Nationals is. And from a buzz and a marketing perspective, it, you know, it's one of the big events of the year. But, guys, I got to tell you, I got to advocate for my modified drivers here because the first night of, of a, you know, what the night one was canceled, but the very first feature of the week. $2,000 to win for the Dirt Modifieds, driving from the Northeast down to Florida. Tyler Seary. Tyler Seary gets the win, and I was shocked, guys. $2,000. That's, that's becoming the standard to win a weekly show up here in the Northeast. So as much as we can say Dirt Car Nationals is a big event, that is very, very tough for these teams to drive all that way. You know, obviously these guys love to go for trophies and love to go for that gator and the big gator. But, oh, boy, I got to tell you, I do wonder uh, as as the pinch on the budget gets tighter and tighter every year. Uh, boy, we're going to have to see some changes there. Two thousand dollars to win driving all the way to Florida just isn't going to cut it. I would agree with that. Uh, the times they are a change and we're going to take another break and. We got more motorsports conversation coming up after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. 
Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 you hear that that's the sound of america's only sports car that's right it's a corvette but not just any corvette it's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Brennan Poole, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens as we continue to talk all things racing. We've got a lightning round coming up in our final segment. However, before we get to that, I want to talk, Cisco, about Atlanta. And I want to go back to the NASCAR weekend, and specifically to the Cup Series, because we talked at the top of the show about how good Kevin Harvick was, and he dominated and embarrassed everybody else, and that's all well and good. On the entire other end of that spectrum is a driver who has now... In four races across three weeks to start the season, 
crashed four race cars in those four races. And Has that been done before ever? Uh, Is that, that a record? I don't know if it's a record, but it's getting pretty close to something important. Not Again, I'm not sure what. However, I do believe this is a career record. I believe that this is the lowest in Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series points ever that seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson has been. I was with Lee Spencer, and we both agreed after Sunday's Cup race when we got the point sheet, both of us did a double take and said there's no way that Jimmy Johnson is 35th in points out of, I think, what, 41 drivers? But Yeah, yet, that sounds right, yeah. Yet, he's 35th in points. That is lowest of all drivers who have run both races so far this year. It's... And it's bad. I, it's bad, and... At this point, if this was an isolated deal and, like, just the start of the season, I go, well, they don't have Ron Malik as the car chief anymore. But we saw this last year, and we were like, well, you know, maybe they're just testing for the Camaro. Or, well, you know, HMS hasn't had the speed. Maybe they're just helping Chase out a little bit. But if alarm bells aren't going off in the 48 trailer, they really should be because... We saw all the headlines during the offseason. Chad Knauss has recommitted to make the 48 team great. Jimmy Johnson is at the peak of his at the peak of his physical health in his entirety of his career. And they're 36th in point or yeah. 35th in points. Something is wrong. I really believe I said at the end of last year, and I mean this in all sincerity. The dynasty's dead. Now, before all of you overreact, here's what I mean by that. I didn't say Jimmy Johnson can't win races. I didn't say that they're not going to be competitive. I didn't say that they won't eventually find their footing. And what I am saying is that this incredible run that they've had, we are now seeing this team have to continually come from behind and strategize from behind. Now, I know that a blown tire isn't anybody's fault. You know, you have these things that happen that are nobody's fault. But by and large, it's a different series now than it was even five or six years ago. A lot more parity. I think Jimmy Johnson and the 48 team will certainly win races. I think they'll find their way back to being a contending team. I don't believe that Jimmy Johnson wins another championship. I just don't believe it. Now, what we're seeing so far this year is not indicative of what we're going to continue to see. I just think that, you know, the dynasty as we've known it is basically dead because honestly, I don't think you're ever going to see that again either. I don't think you're going to see one team have a huge run the way that the 48 team did. I think that was the last time that you're ever going to see one team for that period of time be so completely dominant over a series. Just too much parity and too many good teams now and good young drivers uh, to, to see that kind of a success rate. So, you know, if Jimmy Johnson does win another championship, 
I'm just going to say it. Nobody will ever break that record, ever. But I don't think anybody's even going to get to seven. No, I agree with that 120%, Steve. This is the final, I think, era of the seven-time champion. I just don't believe, like Tom, that you can have that kind of a sustained period of excellence anymore because the cars are just too close. I agree. Um, there, There's one... There's one guy that I think has an opportunity to come close to that. I just don't think he can get to seven because he only has one right now. You know, Kyle Busch comes to mind as being the only guy that I think could go on that kind of a run. The problem is, is where he's at in his career at this moment, and he only has one. You know, that's the thing about Jimmy Johnson's career is – He's been on, you know, strings where they went five in a row. I mean, that's that's unheard of. Well, um, uh, sorry, Steve, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to add to that that Jimmy and his team dominated a period when we were just beginning this sort of playoff type situation. They were the first ones to figure out how to use the regular season to prepare for the postseason. And I think now with the elimination rounds and the stage racing and all of the things that we have, I just think that it's nearly impossible for a team to ever do again what that 48 team did. They took advantage of a new situation in the sport. They were the first ones to figure it out. But now... You know, you, you've just got too many strong teams and too much parity. I, I just don't see that even from Kyle Busch, as good of a driver as he is. You know, his team is one of probably 10 to 12 rock-solid teams that can race for a championship or more that can race for a title. And the way that we have this set up now you have with the stages you get on a run like Martin Truex had with stage points and it makes it a lot easier through the playoff race so I just don't see one team being able to get on a run like that anymore you might you might see drivers win two championships maybe three but it's going to be hard even to do that in say a you know, seven to eight year period with all of the top teams there are in the sport right now. I believe all of that. However, Cisco, I'm going to be honest with the way they were last year and the way, even despite the way they started the year at Daytona, the way they rebounded at Atlanta, I believe if ever there was a driver to be able to go out and repeat in this current format, the guy who just won last year's championship is it. Martin Truex, I saw a lot from him on Sunday afternoon, and I believe he is a driver that is poised to go on another run just like he did in 2017, no? Assuming they don't fail tech like 25,000 times, then yeah. Well, there was that, and that was a talking point all weekend, wasn't it, Tom, that uh, they were the ones to run afoul of the new optical scanning system, a.k.a. Hawkeye. They failed three times on Friday. Could not qualify, lost their car chief for the weekend, elected not to go through a fourth time so they wouldn't lose their crew chief Cole Pern for the weekend, and then Martin Truex ran from the back 
all the way up into the top five in about 50 laps. Well, not only that, but, you know, Shirley was in a position to run for the win until, or at least for second behind Harvick. Uh, but they started, again, another victim of the air gun situation, and they had three bad guns, which basically killed their day. But, you know, here again, this is what I'm talking about. The, the, the inspection system is another component. You know, we all know, let's just be frank about it here. We all know that Chad Knauss liked to play games with the rules. And back in the day when it was easier to sort of get by with certain uh, gray area discretions, you know, I think it, that was the edge. Well, the, the more you, the more NASCAR sort of closes in on a lot of those gray areas and uses these laser systems to keep the cars as equal as possible, the less gray area there are going to be for crew chiefs like Cole Pern, who to me is the modern day Chad Knauss, who was the of that era Gary Nelson, who was the of that era Junior Johnson, etc. and so forth. Um, you know, the more that you're you're going to see it being harder and harder to repeat as a champion. Certainly Martin Truex can do it, but you know, I don't think that you're you're gonna see four, five, six championships in a short time uh you know, short time period like uh, you know, like some of these drivers, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, some of these guys have done, obviously. I just think now NASCAR has managed to get the competition level to the point, at least from a car construction standpoint, where it's just too close. I would agree with all of that. And I'm also going to toss a uh, hold sign up out of my producer's window and say, we need to go to a break. So we're going to go to a break. We're going to reset. And we're going to come back with our lightning round here on Motorsports Madness. The white flag after this on the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. 
how to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is like so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. We talked about him earlier in this show. Well, we actually talked with him earlier in this show. We did both. Yes. Because we did hear from Cole Custer earlier in this show, and again, wish him the best of luck this weekend as he makes his Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series debut with Stuart. Sorry, not with Stuart Haas Racing, with Rick Ware Racing. <laughs> in, in conjunction part, yes, with. In conjunction with Stuart Haas this weekend. The 51 Haas Automation Ford for Cole Custer. He has a charter, but I don't think we even have 40 cars on the entry list, so that's not a question. All things considered. However, this is our lightning round, and we're going to start with a subject that Tom and I were talking about earlier today. Actually, it's a couple of questions revolving around drag racing. The first of which is, John Force had his second violent accident in as many races to open the NHRA season. If you haven't seen the crash, by the way, just go to the NHRA YouTube channel and sit back and raise a couple eyebrows because it was really, really, really big. Describe that crash in one word, Tom. Big. Cisco. <laughs> Scary. Flaming is really the word. It, it, it was very flaming. Steve-O. I'm going to use a hyphenated word. Non-stop. Because it didn't seem like it was ever going to stop. Tom, I've never seen a crash like that where the body explodes off the car and then John's parachutes actually got tangled up in Johnny Lindbergh's yeah. parachutes. The two cars got locked together. They hit one wall, and then they hit the other wall. It was the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know how that happens. It just, there again, one of those sets of circumstances that conspire together to make that crash happen. That was definitely a big crash and a very scary crash. Uh, and obviously not John's first big scary crash of the year or big scary incident of the year. No, no. John was taken to the hospital, by the way, after that crash. He did win that second round matchup with Johnny Lindbergh, the crash happening after the finish line. And then John Force returns to the racetrack in time to see daughter Courtney win the funny car yes. final. So, again, a descriptor with one word. This one's impossible, but I'm going to make you try. Describe John Force in one word after he basically tells the doctors, eh, go away, leaves the hospital. Well, he got discharged, but I think he would have left the hospital anyways, Tom, and gets back to the track in time. Legend. <laughs> I'm going to say, well, it's not one word. I'm going to cheat, but it's my question, so I can. The first thought that came to my mind, Steve, was stubborn as a mule. Well, Tom took my word. <laughs> I was going to say legendary, but uh, I'll go with this. 
badass. Yeah, there yes. you go. Hyphen. There you go. There you go. Steve. Qualifies. Cisco. Dad. Yes. Actually, you Very know what? Much. I like Cisco's the best yeah. because that was vintage John Force being there for his daughter. And how about Courtney, by the way, Tom? Something we haven't talked about yet tonight. Breaking a two-year funny car windless drought on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, again, tin hat conspiracy theorists, you know, whatever. Uh, you can go to you know where. It, uh, that, that was a beautiful thing to see. And, you know, just, uh, boy, you know, it seems like the Force team as a whole and the Force family as a whole has been through enough of a roller coaster up and down the last uh, few weeks to, to fill a season. And to see Courtney come out of that and go bring home the trophy, I mean, there again – that's what a force does. Yes. You know, exactly. that's what a force does. I'm going to move now to the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series and challenge you. We're going to Las Vegas this weekend. Kevin Harvick obliterated the field for two straight days on the first mile and a half track of the season. Going to Vegas. Who has the best shot to beat Kevin Harvick and why, Tom? Who has the best shot to beat Kevin Harvick and why? Um, I'll be honest with you. At this point, I think it's a toss-up, but I'm I'm going to go out on a just a small little bit of a limb here, and I am going to stick with the pick that I mentioned at the top of the show. I think Kurt Busch has a chance to go win this race. It's his home track. There's motivation. You know, Kurt probably doesn't have many more years left in Cup, he rolled off the trailer fast at Daytona. He rolled off the trailer fast at Atlanta. And I think right now, Stuart Haas Racing's got it going on. I'm, I'm picking Kurt Busch. Cisco. Two for the last four at Vegas. Brad K, number two. Steve. Good pick. Stage winner, number one. Stage winner, number two. And race winner, MTJ. Well... Where did we hear that story last year? Oh, wait, Las Vegas. Interestingly, so far in our picks, we have two Fords and a Toyota. Yeah. Dare you go Chevrolet? I wonder. Are you wonder. taking the Chevrolet? Because <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I'm not either, actually. Though, and I'm a Chevy guy. It would be fun, but I just think they need a little bit more to iron the growing pains out of those cars. I think the Chevys will be better this week than they were at Atlanta, but I don't think they'll win. I, too, am going to go with a Ford driver, Steve, though I think you kind of stole the sexy pick, so to speak. I'll go with the driver who, quote, is not really worried about points, end quote, and actually picked the guy who probably should have won the Daytona 500, and didn't because he was involved in the big one. Probably should have contended at Atlanta, but just could never get the right track position to be able to do it. And has almost won at both of the sister tracks for Las Vegas, being uh, Kansas, so to speak, because of the way it drives, and Texas. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney in the 12 car, Tom. And you know why? Because I think Ryan Blaney is due... And I think Team Penske 
is deceptively very, very, very strong right now. They have the top two positions in points, and they've had at least one car contending for the win in both races so far this season. Well, but I think the 12 team is still too new, in, in my opinion. I like Brad Keselowski as a pick. I also would like Joey Logano as a pick. Not sure Blaney goes out to Vegas and wins the race. See, I, everybody I think... says the 12 team is too new, but a lot of those guys worked with Blaney at the Wood Brothers last year, but including again, his crew chief. Yes, but again, it's it's different now. It isn't the Wood Brothers anymore. It's different. It's a different year. You've got different situations. I'm just not convinced that Ryan Blaney quite yet goes and wins a race, but it also wouldn't totally shock me if he did. I just don't see it yet. He's going to win a race this year. Oh, I think car. he's going to win multiple. Thank I believe you. he'll win more than one before the year's over. I just not quite yet. All right. We are going into the West Coast swing. There is certainly a helping of West Coast drivers in NASCAR's top series as well as the Xfinity and Truck Series. You are welcome to pick from any of the three series, but you can only pick one. Of the West Coast drivers, who in your mind has the best chance to win at Las Vegas this weekend in their respective series? I'll start with Steve on this one. Pass. Really? <laughs> You're, I, I figured you would oh, pick a Bush on, brother. Oh, come on, Steve. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. No? Really? None of them? Not a West Coast driver in existence is going to win in any of the top three series? I don't think so. Wow. I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. I, I just, I don't think that's a, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that that really, yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. Cisco. I'll take the cop-out pick, Kyle Busch in the truck race. <laughs> oh, Kyle's in the 51 this week, isn't he? Uh, yes, he is. Boo. Boo. Tom. Well, I already picked Kurt Busch. Does, <laughs> I mean, that. I pretty, much, I pretty much said he was going to win. So there's your West Coast driver. I also agree with the pick of Kyle Busch in the truck race. I think that'll be rather uneventful. Also, <laughs> Eh, you're also, wrong. And if he doesn't Kyle win, Bush I think is Noah Gregson in the Xfinity race, too. Thank you. Yeah, and Kyle Busch in the Xfinity race. I mean, that'll be like Kevin Harvick last week in the in the 98 car. That'll be that you're going to get a couple of uneventful race wins there because Kyle's going to dominate them both. Maybe in the Xfinity series, but I believe you are wrong about the truck series. I do not believe Kyle Busch wins. I believe he gets beat by his own equipment and the other hometown favorite wins it. Give me sarcastic well, that, Noah for 500, <laughs> Alex. Well, that's what I said. If Bush doesn't, Noah will. I, you know, there, there are plenty of opportunities for West Coast drivers to win this weekend in all three series. And, you know, I think they're in, in some of them, as, as the ones we mentioned, are in good competitive situations. No reason they shouldn't run for the win. Yes. Yes. All right. We're going to close this edition of Motorsports Madness because the checkered flag is out. We got to get the heck out of Dodge. But it's been fun. So we'll see you back here next Monday night at 7 to do it all over again for Tom Baker, 
Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens, and Cisco Scaramuza. I'm Jacob Seelman, thanking our special guest for the evening, Cole Custer, who joined us earlier in the program, and reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks. And if you're headed to a racetrack, we might just see you there. We'll be back next week till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up. <laughs>